Lectio Sancti Evangelii Secondum Ioannem. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Verbum Domini Please take a moment, make sure your cell phone is turned off. Apaga los teléfonos celulares, por favor. Turn to page four in the bulletin. As you can see there at the top of page four. Yesterday was the feast of St. Joseph Benedict Labore during his um, life in the uh, 19th century, most of it. 19th, 19th century, he was wandering across Europe looking for a religious order to join. He also suffered from mental illness. Um, that wasn't an indication that he was looking for religious life, but he suffered from uh, mental illness. Despite all of these odds, he is a saint. Over here, you see the statue of St. John Vianney. He's the page, one of the patron saints of the diocesan priest. I'm a diocesan priest. And um, when St. John was a, uh, a child, his father um, uh, would welcome uh, St. Jo Benedict Joseph Labore into his home as he would be um, cross crisscrossing uh, uh, France. So um, he was in his home. Um, 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 he offered him food and a place to stay until he moved on. So amazing to see how saints um, are in contact with other saints. Also, yesterday was the 89th birthday of Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict. Um, you can see yesterday we had three hours of confession. That's about what we have today. Look on page five, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. At 7 p.m., there's an hour of confession, especially there are some people who have to work uh, shifts that just gobble up the weekend, so uh, that's unfortunate. Um, but there's an opportunity during the week. Uh, look at the schedule, and you'll see that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, it's the same schedule. Thursday's modified because I have to go into Dallas. But the um, I'm going to talk about that addition um, there at 10 o'clock. Um, that's been added starting tomorrow, Monday. Um, you notice on Monday there is a, uh, a communion service at 6.15 um, for the um, Women's Guild. I think there it says 6.15. I think on the other page it says 6 o'clock. Only I could get that wrong. Anyway, sorry about that. The um, Deacon Davis will have the uh, readings from Scripture and distribution of Holy Communion. 
um, at that time. On Friday, it says Friday, April the 22nd, two popes uh, that day. It's also the day in um, 1519, so that's 497 years ago that the conquest of Mexico began. I checked before I came over. Mexico is part of North America. So um, uh, 497 years ago, it started on April the 22nd, a most important day. Uh, most historic moment that is not only is going to be overlooked, but when the 500th anniversary will come in just three years, it will be hijacked and um, um, terribly twisted. We can only anticipate. This is a um, this is a book I recommend. Dr. Warren Carroll. He got his PhD from Columbia uh, University. Um, Columbia back then was, I would say, much more stringent. It still is. It just leans terribly to the left. Um, but uh, this is Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Conquest of Darkness by Dr. Warren H. Carroll. And um, he's also the one who founded Christendom College, a very, very excellent Catholic college here in the United States, just outside of Washington. So um, the, um, uh, you can get the background to what Mexico was like before the first European stepped foot. Everything was perfect. And then the Europeans came. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Dr. Carroll is very able to point that out. Page 9 in the bulletin. At Lourdes in France and Fatima in Portugal, each night there are outdoor rosary processions. Um, same thing here. If it's raining, we're not going to be outside. But um, you want to know the background? You can go to the, read the bulletin online. There it is. <coughs> Scroll down to the last three pages. A, B, and C. Um, then, um, um, before you get to page A of A, B, and C, that page just before, uh, there's the, uh, the eulogy, a page on eulogies and, and funerals. Eulogies are very, and a very important part of a funeral, but they have a place. And, um, or place says, um, the, um, so anyone who says, well, Father Paul doesn't like eulogies. No, that's not what I mean at all. Uh, I'm very, as I mentioned there, uh, let me be clear. The, uh, we hear it all the time. Let me be clear. Um, eulogies are good. They just don't belong everywhere. I once was at a mass. I did not offer the mass. Uh, I was once at a Mass, and the eulogy went for over an hour. Over an hour. And I was present when um, the two individuals were instructed to go no longer than five minutes. The first one kept it at five minutes. The second one, over an hour. I'm just so glad it wasn't mine. The, um, who's the timekeeper on that kind of stuff? Exactly. It doesn't belong. It doesn't belong in um, the, uh, the funeral Mass. So there, there it is up online so you can um, see it. Instead of me publishing it in the bulletin every three or four months, you can just go to the uh, website. There in front of the altar, from, from Holy Saturday to until Pentecost on May the 15th, there's the adoration of the mystic lamb. We heard about that in the second reading today. And um, beautifully said, uh, um, the lamb who is in the center of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to springs of life-giving water. In the foreground is a beautiful fountain. There in the center is 
the Lamb of God on his throne, the altar, the Lamb who was slain and yet lives. Here is a um, very excellent link you can go to and see a, uh, that work magnified. Um, in fact, if you were standing in the church in Belgium, in fact, if you were in Belgium and you looked outside and it looked like this in Belgium, today would be a sunny day in Belgium. Uh, if you were in Belgium and you were looking at that altarpiece and the many panels, you would be able to see an up-close um, version of that on the link than you could if you were in that church. On the last page, um, this is something new we're adding beginning tomorrow. We're going to see how it goes. The, um, there is what's old. Um, the schedule for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, and in some ways modified Thursday. This is going to be the schedule for and see how it goes. How fitting. M the month of April is dedicated to the Most Blessed Sacrament. So what's new? Uh, well, 7 o'clock um, confessions, 8 o'clock mass, 9 o'clock rosary procession, that's old. The new is uh, at 10 o'clock begin the exposition of the Most Blessed Sacrament, Compline Night Prayer, and then um, um, as we continue the prayers um, of Compline, sorry, of, of uh, Benediction, uh, you can find them on page 700 there in your uh, hymnal, and we end up with a benediction of the Blessed Sacrament, tracing a blessing over the people uh, with the uh, Most Blessed Sacrament, and then going through the church, sprinkling the holy water, the asperges, on those present and sending uh, them on their way. I, I, I'm going to guess that we're going to start this at 9.55 and you'll be out by 10.15. It'll be in a, a very abbreviated form. Um, but we can't rush because it's the most blessed sacrament. Why should you consider this? Um, most of you can't come every night but maybe on an anniversary or a birthday or someone close to you, something um, important has happened to them. Uh, you want to give thanks or pray for the repose of their soul. Perfect time. Pick one, two, three, or all four of those things here at night uh, during the week. Most people have no business attempting anything um, before the evening. Uh, everybody is um, in a hurry to get here or get there. You know, I've got to get to work. Or I've got to go there. Oh, and just try getting on I-30 to go to Dallas. They just ought to make it official. Just make it a parking lot. The, um, uh, so the uh, morning, many people just can't. I've got a doctor's appointment. I've got this. I've got that. The evening is, well, it's prime time. Also, um, those in college, we have a junior college here, a university next door. Um, the, these evening times are... Uh, more beneficial to someone with an evening schedule like uh, college students. Think about it and plug into it when you can and spread the word. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. From um, today's gospel is so brief, I'll just read it in, in its uh, entirety. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, today's first reading is all about the missionary outreach of the church um, to 
um, not just to the Jews, but to those past the Jews, those non-Jews in the world. Uh, I'm not Jewish. If you're not Jewish, we're part of the pagans. That's how they would refer to us, as the pagans. Or the Gentiles. Or the nations. The, um, that um, line from the first reading today. Uh, the Gentiles were delighted when they heard this and glorified the word of God. Well, what did they hear? It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you, the Jews, first. But since you reject it and condemn yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be an instrument of salvation to the ends of the earth. So, in the missionary outreach of the church to the Gentiles, the church has reached out to my family and yours, to me and to you, and to anyone who is uh, part of the nations, pagans, the Gentiles. You can see the arm of Christ reaching out to them. Now, the, um, this is Good Shepherd Sunday. I've um, seen very many beautiful representations of the Good Shepherd. This is kind of an action shot, if you will. I was very tempted to have it uh, written on the side of the, uh, the side of the lamb there, Father Paul, because that's how I felt so many times uh, throughout my life. God has indeed reached out to, uh, to assist me, to help me. Um, if you take the image, though, and kind of turn it that way, it doesn't look so extreme. But uh, let's just keep on point here. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday, and um, the church has a mission um, to reach out to the, um, um, the pagans, the Gentiles, the nations. About three weeks ago, uh, Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict, gave a, an interview, and he, um, he very, um, um, very uh, aptly, very ably described how this um, mission, a missionary outreach of the church has um, pretty much been uh, eaten away by termites. That's my image, not his. Um, but this is not the first time Pope Benedict has mentioned uh, a loss of missionary outreach or zeal of the church today. Um, in uh, 1982, I entered the seminary in Irving, and uh, it was um, it was very soon after that that the uh, cardinal who was in charge of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, Cardinal Ratzinger, he came to Irving and gave um, gave a talk uh, at our seminary, and um, then went next door to Las Colinas and addressed the uh, U.S. Council of Catholic Bishops there. Um, about the same time, 1985, he published um, or an, an interview with Cardinal Ratzinger was published. Um, it's the Ratzinger Report. I would recommend this to you. Um, the Ratzinger Report, the uh, Cardinal was offered in advance the, the questions, and as usual, he, uh, he declined the very generous offer. And so when he answers these questions, we get um, his, um, his um, first impression, if you will. Um, it's, a, it's like live TV or a live interview. Well, it was a live interview. And so, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was looking into the chapter 12 because it's on um, liberation theology. Back in 1985, 
um, he was interviewed and asked about liberation theology. There are some in the church who are very misguided, my opinion, about liberation theology. Well, what is liberation theology? Well, you take Marxism, communism, and you baptize it, but you do one thing before you baptize it, you subtract the water. What do you get if you baptize something or someone without the water? You got nothing. So you've got this terrible cancer, this blotch on the world, communism, Marxism, and we're supposed to use that and spread it throughout the world? Again, incredibly misguided. Incredibly misguided those who uh, promote liberation theology. Well, he gives a very um, uh, excellent um, um, discussion um, or makes uh, many excellent points there in um, chapter 12. Chapter 13 uh, is on proclaiming Christ again in defense of the missions. This is 1985. It's 30 years ago. It's very interesting. Very interesting um, and, and very beautiful. Um, he mentions um, colonialism. You know, uh, Europe, um, largely Europe, sent, um, sent um, people out to colonize uh, in Africa, Asia, and here in the Americas as well, other places, but uh, that's a good summary. And colonialism um, is, is just the equated with the missions, as if the missionaries are there like bobbleheads, and they're just saying, whatever you want, whatever you want, that's fine. Well, he points out here, uh, the abuses of colonialism were actually moderated by the fearless activity of so many apostles of faith. So many missionaries opposed abuses that you find in colonial Africa or Asia or the Americas. Uh, uh, a good case in point is, is standing right over there, Our Lady Guadalupe. Um, the, um, um, everything before the first Spaniard arrived in Mexico, everything was perfect. Well, on the um, back cover of Dr. Warren Carroll's book, Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Conquest of Darkness, this is written. The conversion of Mexico from devil worship to the Catholic faith is the most sudden and spectacular mass conversion in all of history. Dr. Carroll was not a man of exaggeration. In Aztec Mexico, before the arrival of Hernán Cortés and the Spanish, the human sacrifice was practiced on a far greater scale than anywhere, in, anywhere else in history. Hundreds of victims were slaughtered every day. So less than a thousand soldiers landed on April 22nd, 1519 and began the conquest of Mexico against um, over 20 million Aztecs. Um, for over a hundred years, a small group had run uh, the entire empire and was conquering peoples around them. Right now, we're all in the midst of shock. We wake up this week, once a year, and then promptly go back to sleep. Why do we wake up? Because it's tax day. On Friday and then tomorrow, it's tax day. Don't worry, the American people will promptly go back to sleep um, the following week. Well, I'm really mad. Taxes are too high. That's exactly right. Nothing compared under the Aztecs. 
uh, babies, children, teenagers, and adults were sacrificed. Human sacrifices. Oh, and there was that part too where they were forced to worship the devil. That's before the first European ever got here. You're not going to hear that three years from now with the, um, the, the historical might, historic milestone coming up. So, um, when Our Lady appeared to St. Juan Diego in 1531, um, 12 years after the beginning of the conquest, Our Lady was asking uh, St. Juan Diego to be a missionary. Now, St. Juan Diego was not from Spain. He was not from Europe. He had been born before the Spaniards arrived, and he didn't speak Spanish. The bishop had to have an interpreter. So all of this business about St. Juan Diego speaking Spanish, it was just wrong. History doesn't support it. So Our Lady asked him to go and speak to the Bishop of Mexico. The Bishop of Mexico was part of this colonial um, enterprise coming to the New World. And he and a handful of Franciscans, Dominicans, and others, they were, they were putting the brakes on the abuses that some, not all, but some, um, committed here in North America. So the bishop would see things that the king of Spain would not permit. And he would write it all down. And he would hand it to the captain on the ship. And the captain would take off and sail across the, uh, the, uh, the ocean. And what do you know? Oh, there goes... Oh, there goes the bishop's le- Oh, another letter from the bishop. It went overboard. Oh, I hate when that happens. So then the bishop, you know, months and months later, well, I didn't get your letter. Oh, see what I mean? The, um, Our Lady asked him to go and speak to the bishop four times. The, there was a small group of um, the Spaniards who told the native citizens here, if you talk to the bishop... If you talk to a priest or a brother, we, and we find out, we'll kill you. So Our Lady has just asked, would you mind going and talking to the bishop? Four times. Four times. He could have been killed. But he went. He went to speak to Our Lady. These were abuses. And Our Lady understood the abuses, uh, part of colonialism. Uh, let me get back to his quote, because it is so beautiful. Um, the abuses, of colo- the, the abuses of colonialism were actually moderated by the fearless activity of so many apostles of faith. They were often able to create oases of humanity in areas which had been ruined by the older misery and the newer oppression. Uh, one cannot simply forget, let alone condemn, the shining sacrifice of countless missionaries who became real fathers to the people entrusted to them. I continually meet Africans, both young and old, who tell me with great enthusiasm of those fathers of their people who no doubt were tremendously human as well as heroic missionary figures. Among those whom they evangelized and tried to help in every way, often at the cost of their own lives, their memory is not extinguished. And if a certain friendship is still possible between Africa and Europe, it is due, not to Cardinal Gasper, sorry, anyway, it is due 
in part to those instances of self-sacrifice which for the most part are known to God alone. God alone. I, I like that. It reminds me of the title of this book that came out 30 years after this book. This book, uh, God or Nothing. God alone could be a second title. God or Nothing. This is by the, um, the man who is currently the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Worship, just as Cardinal Ratzinger was the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And what he says here in 1985 in an interview, he gave in an interview that was published in 2015, 30 years after this interview, and they coincide beautifully. This man grew up... Um, well, think of Greenville. We're 50 miles away from Dallas. And if you, if you just went out into the countryside, you could find a crossroads that calls itself a town, but it's just a handful of people. That's where Cardinal uh, Sarah grew up in West Africa, in Guinea. And yet he goes through a beautiful description of the missionaries, the White Fathers, the Holy Spirit Fathers, as they're known, um, and how they... They, they spoke to him and taught him and, and, and guided him. They were, well, they wore this. Um, it was the, the Good Shepherd reaching out to a place that the world considered absolutely flyover country. I, I recommend God or nothing. It's beautiful for these reasons and others. Um, the, uh, why was Cardinal Ratzinger... Uh, making all of this, um, stirring up all this dust. Well, let me finish what he said here, what he said in the interview. Um, the, uh, some people complain because they leave Europe and they go to Africa. They leave Europe or they come here to the Americas or they leave Europe and they go to um, Asia. And you know what they start doing? They start teaching them the catechism from Europe. Um, says we are... Uh, all, all the same, it is a fact that it was Western Catholicism that was exported to those regions. We are well aware of this problem today. But what else could the missionaries of those times have done but to begin with the only catechism they knew? Nor should we forget that all of us have received the faith from outside. Um, he talks about we, we've received the faith from others. I mentioned last Sunday... Um, uh, St. Damien of Molokai. He left Belgium, went halfway around the world to Hawaii. Hawaii is beautiful. I've, I've heard, I've seen things, beautiful pictures of Hawaii. But he went to the armpit of Hawaii, if you will. There was a section, a strip of land on Molokai, and behind it were these sheer cliffs. So here he is stuck on this spit of land with people who have um, advanced leprosy. And he treated those people with such gentleness and care. Friends, um, can you see the long arm of the um, Good Shepherd reaching out to those people? Um, he died in his mid-40s, um, reaching out to them. Um, the, um, I was born in 59. About the year I was born, this wretched cancer was unleashed across the Catholic world. And friends, it's still around. Um, um, 
It's like a bad odor that won't go away. It just hangs in the air. And it's exactly the opposite of what Cardinal Sarah or Cardinal Ratzinger um, or Father Damien, St. Damien for that matter, understood as the mission, the mission of the church. About 1960, someone created, just out of thin air, what's called the anonymous Christian. Uh, the anonymous Christian, this theory, says, look, you've got all these pagan babies here and there. Old MacDonald had a pagan baby, E-I-E-I-O. <clears throat> Don't worry. They can, they can be born. They can live. They can die. And if they ne never hear the gospel... They're going to be just fine. So don't you worry about them. And what, what has happened, there's, if, you, if you look into the anonymous Christian, there are actually some good points to consider with that theory. Most people, however, don't consider those points. They go to the extreme points, and it leads to laziness in the missionary outreach of the church. So instead of Christians going to seek the lost sheep in its perilous perch, they say things like this, um, what's for dinner? Um, should we have pizza tonight? Um, is there a game on? Not thinking about um, the lost sheep, not thinking about the Gentiles who have never heard this message, but instead saying, oh, come on, um, there's a clause there that they all get saved in the end. Um, um, and that's what's happened. What, when Pope Benedict gave his interview about three weeks ago, um, this is what he meant by saying that the missionary outreach of the church has largely disappeared. I mean, there's some positive ones that are still around, like the missionaries of charity. <clears throat> Good Shepherd Sunday. I've, I've done it too many, self, too many times myself. Um, uh, I'm not proud of it, but... Friends, Jesus as the Good Shepherd, um, yes, we can see him in his bishops and his priests and the brothers and sisters who are um, working in the world, hopefully according to his plan. And I do say hopefully. But what are you, chop liver? You're flyover country? Not at all. You see, <coughs> missionaries are are sometimes uh, very warmly accepted. And then missionaries are sometimes um, violently hated. I mean, you think of the North American martyrs, um, St. Isaac Jogues, Jean de Brebeuf, and how the terrible fate they met up in the Northeast. Terrible. Uh, if you went preaching Christ in the Northeast today, you would probably experience the same kind of treatment. <laughs> anyway, the... Um, the, uh, think of how when you bring up what the Good Shepherd teaches to your friends and family members, um, maybe in social media, dare I say it, Facebook, uh, when you mention these things, it's amazing how all of a sudden they fill a pot and they're going to put you in it. They're going to have you for supper. Um, yeah, you're the missionary and they're going to have you for supper. Let me just tell you the latest version you know, there are some Christians who believe that, that men should not go into the bathroom where it's reserved for little girls. Can you imagine there are people who are so uh, small-minded? Can you 
when you can't even discuss that. Um, or when it makes it, it has to be a federal project, you recognize that you, too, are part of this missionary outreach. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I'll just send them to Father Paul. You know, he loves to talk. Yeah, yeah. What's wrong with your leg broken? Um, this is, um, this is the, the desire of God that he be made known. Um, God says it so beautifully. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit.